Community Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we're speaking with Shelby Parsons. Shelby is the communications manager at Mississippi Spay and Neuter. She lives in Jackson, Mississippi. Shelby, welcome to the show. Good morning. Thanks for having me. So how did you get started with Mississippi Spay and Neuter or just in general helping community cats? That started when I was a very tiny child. I lived in rural Northern California and a car stopped in front of our house. Um, We had some woods in between us and the house and dropped off just a ton of cats. I think there were like 14 to 18 cats. And... um, most of them were not uh, socialized. I'm not sure how they got them in the car the first in the first place, but my mom somehow knew what to do, and uh, I helped her trap all these cats and get them fixed. So I thought that was pretty cool, and that stuck with me until years and years later. I found out about the Feral Cat Coalition of Oregon and started volunteering with them, and that got me involved on a more uh, organizational level. And so, so you started out in Oregon. And learn from that. And my understanding is that group in Oregon is sort of one of those early organizations that really took TNR to another level. It did. Yeah, it started in 1995 and um, still going very strong and definitely have been at the forefront of a lot of programs that, you know, we we use as standards now. So they've tried out a lot of new ideas and and really made it um, a common and normalized activity, especially in the surrounding area. You started in Oregon, and then did you just immediately hop over to Mississippi, or? Uh, <laughs> well, I was I was planning on moving to Mississippi, and and I think my my main issue with moving was that um, I I was not a fan of Oregon on the whole, but but loved my job. I eventually was working with the Feral Cat Coalition of Oregon, and I did not want to leave my job. I loved my job, um, so I said, well, there must be someone doing this in Mississippi. So I got in touch with uh, Miss Elena Dare, who is the founder of Mississippi Spay and Neuter. And I said, hey, I'm moving to Mississippi. You probably don't hear this a lot, but I'm. Uh, this is my passion. I'm really interested in this. So please, you know, I'd love to be involved. Here's what I know. Here's, here's what I'm good at. Here's what I like to do. And um, she was wonderful enough to just give me a call. And, and we talked about it and started volunteering. And now, and now I'm a full-time employee. Can you tell me a little bit more about what you're doing now and how it impacts community cats? Yeah. um, Well, with Mississippi Spay and Neuter, I'm the communications manager, which means I'm, you know, responsible for basically getting the word out to the community, educating the community about Spay and Neuter, making sure that we're on people's radars and finding ways to broaden um, our audience and and who um, has access to our services. So going through various channels to do that. It's a, a lot of technology-based, design-based stuff. But moonlighting-wise, I, I do TNR in my own neighborhood, which is not only flooded with feral cats, but feral dogs, um, which is new to me. So I've been doing a lot of TNR since I've been here, and um, it's been a four-year process so far and still going. Can you tell me a little bit about uh, what Mississippi Spay and Neuter does? Yeah, definitely. Mississippi Spay and Neuter is a statewide program. 
so we do have a standalone clinic located in Pearl, Mississippi, which is near Jackson, the largest city in the state. Uh, we also have a voucher program, which helps people in more rural communities use subsidy vouchers for clinics in their areas. And we have a transport program so people can uh, drop their pets off at a certain location and we transport to our standalone clinic. Uh, we did start as a mobile clinic uh, right after Hurricane Katrina when there was a big influx of homeless animals, um, overpopulation. There, there was a big need for a spay and neuter in this area as a lot of animals moved north after the storm. So now we are standalone and um, we do practice feral cat spay and neuter. Each week we have a day set aside where we do only feral or stray cats um, every Thursday. For those of us who may not be familiar with the population situation in Mississippi, could you tell us how things stand for community cats at this time? I think I, I have a little bit of insight. Um, I do know that, you know, community cats are can be overwhelming really all across the country, but Mississippi is definitely behind in terms of animal welfare. Um, our animal cruelty laws are virtually non-existent. The spread of information is really difficult because people don't have access to things like phones, internet, television, things like that. There are a lot of uh, people who don't know what spay and neuter is and don't know that they have access to it. So we really have to start at, at ground zero and um, assume that people don't know what spay and neuter is and, and start from there um, and have conversations one person at a time one community organization at a time and reach out to people where they are instead of expecting them to come to us. Uh, the statistic I know of that may be an indicator is that um, around 73,000 animals are euthanized in Mississippi shelters each year. So we definitely have a big problem that we need to tackle and um, we're working on it. But as you know, I know most people who are involved in this know you know, we, we can work very, very hard, but, you know, when a few people just don't do the right thing through spay and neuter, the, the problem can can escalate more quickly than we're able to to deal with. So, Is there a collaborative group of like all the organizations in Mississippi trying to work together to help reduce the overpopulation problem? There are uh, several spay and neuter clinics and we all have great relationships with each other. Um, so that's great. Miss Elaine, our founder, recently uh, went to Oxford, Mississippi to get them started on opening their very own spay and neuter clinic. And then there's also a Hattiesburg spay and neuter clinic. There's a Gulf Coast spay and neuter clinic. Um, so we all have good relationships with each other in that way. And there is a I think, loose network of people who practice trap, neuter, and return. Uh, and they work very hard, although they're sort of unofficial people who do it independently. There, There is a little bit of a disconnect between some veterinarians and the spay and neuter world in Mississippi, it, it's not necessarily seen universally as an animal welfare issue as much as it is a like a profit type business. So, so we, we do have to step very lightly and try not to anger veterinarians by um, <laughs> doing the services we do, but still provide the services that we provide um, and try and educate them on why it's important that we do the work we do and, and why we're not taking away their business by spaying and neutering animals that are at high risk for reproducing. So I want to go back and talk a little bit more about communications and your outreach in the community. You talked about touching base or presenting to community groups and really sort of on the ground outreach. Could you be a little more specific about that? 
Well, when we're dealing with people who who may not have access to information that many of us are used to, such as right now we're speaking over the internet and about 40% of Mississippians don't have access to the internet, no matter how much advertising and how great our website looks, um, there are a lot of people who I'm not going to reach. So, but what I can do is, you know, drop some flyers off um, about free spay and neuter at a church in that neighborhood or... Um, what I've recently been doing is um, stopping by social services organizations and making sure that they have all the materials they need to, to offer spay and neuter to their clients. So our county human services, some of the nonprofit human services organizations as well, to make sure that they know what spay and neuter is and they know that um, they can offer that as a service when people come in. So instead of just saying, you know, how many kids do you have? They can also say, how many pets do you have? Are they fixed? Um, and that helps really take away a lot of the time that it, it would take us to find those people because these people need other services. So we're able to catch them through um, loose partnerships with other organizations. So that's a really big way. And also, of course, flyering is still one of the best ways that we can get the word out. So we have volunteers, our street team volunteers going to laundromats and grocery stores, places where pretty much everyone needs to go at some point and uh, putting up flyers with our phone number, with information, just trying to make sure that people know that we exist. So when you look at your data for where your spay-neuter clinics are in the state, do you get a, a sense of anything changing on the intake rates for the shelters that are near those spay-neuter clinics at this point in time? The intake rates... Um, have decreased, at least from the animal shelter who we do receive statistics from, um, who is the open admission shelter in the area. I say that knowing just about our relationship with them and how we're in the same area, um, it has uh, changed those statistics. We are still a long way away from where we want to be. It's really encouraging to see the numbers go down. So we're going to keep trying to improve that. And, and they do a really good job of making sure everyone has access to spay and neuter. All animals, of course, are spayed and neutered who are adopted from there. And so we have a, a close working relationship to make sure that anybody who may be persuaded into not, you know, relinquishing a pet because they, you know, can't afford spay or neuter are, are given the option to do so. And now, let's take a moment to listen to a few words from our sponsors. Flashlight tag was fun when you were a kid, but no one wants to play hide-and-seek with their trap. Find your trap's location quickly and safely, even when you visit it at night, with the Reveal Wild application for Samsung Galaxy, HTC One, Sony, Xperia, and other Android phones. Or go to tinyurl.com forward slash reveal wild. So I'm up, up here in the Northeast, and we actually are doing quite a bit of transport up of cats from the South into New England, and it's uh, become kind of a interesting topic. But if we're an organization or just even people in New England who happen to be listening to this podcast, what sort of things could they do to help you, you know, either financially or virtually to help support your efforts down in Mississippi? Well, financial help is always great because it allows us to build our capacity. Specifically, we want to be able to provide free spay and neuter to people who would not otherwise be able to keep a pet or who have ended up with stray animals, things like that. So 
Um, we do have some specific funds for people in certain areas. We have specific funds for people who receive social services, things like that. And people can visit our website to learn more about those individual programs. Also from afar, people can still spread the word um, about spay and neuter and about the animals that need homes, things like that. Um, I know, like you said, a lot of the animals are transported, which, I, you know, I don't know what the sentiment or feeling is around that in, in your community. But just spreading the word is really important and letting people know that, that uh, although we are behind, we don't want to be and we need your support. We need your help and understanding while we while we work through these issues. We we have a lot of people who work very hard here, but it is a very steep climb. So uh, it, it is easy. And I have been one of those people to kind of shrug off the South as a, a lost cause. And uh, being in it, I, I don't feel that way. I feel that we are just vastly outnumbered as people, <laughs> people who are working, you know, to change to change the tide in the South. So Shelby, looking ahead five or 10 years for community cats, what do, what do you think life will be like in Mississippi? I hope that it will be greatly improved. We have a loose network of people who practice trap, neuter, and return, but I would love to see that more formalized so that we have either organizations or at least more sophisticated communications to try and take care of things like very large colonies that are out, out in the country of, you know, 50, 70, 100 cats that really we could tackle as a group in a pretty efficient way versus uh, having one person <laughs> try to catch two or three at a time. So that's what I would love to see first off. And I think a lot of other benefits can come from that initial network and having that um, really solid teamwork and partnership built over the next few years. Yeah, so I'll give you a little tip. You can uh, check out www.masscats.org. And that links you to our the Trappers Network that we have in Massachusetts. Um, and it's been in existence since 1994. Wow. And it's been a, a great help for the larger and smaller rescues to be able to network. If you run into a large colony situation or a hoarding situation, it's a great way for everybody to rally around, you know, that one situation so that it's, you know, many hands make light work. And it's just been, it's been great. And we even have our um, animal division director of the Department of Agriculture is on that group. And so if he has something to report out with regards to cats, he can just send it right out to that group. There's 600 members. And so it's just, you know, everybody reads the same thing. So it's a lot less of sort of the he said, she said thing. Everything mm -hmm. is, is posted right out there. So there is this website, masscats.org, um, and I'd encourage anybody to check it out. And Janelle Fitzpatrick and myself who helped start this, uh, if anyone wants to start this group for their own state, we would be certainly happy to, you know, mentor and advise um, and help. It's very easy to start up. And um, so I, it's I just, I can't say enough about it. And, and the members on the group can't say enough about it. Um, so I think it would be great if Mississippi could have that um, and you could work more synergistically. Absolutely. That's fantastic. Shelby, if you saw a stray cat on the street, what would you do? Well, what I do now, um, <laughs> no matter who I'm in the car with, um, they understand that if I shout stray cat, they must pull over immediately. It's called my stradar. Every all of my <laughs> friends know about my stradar. Generally, in my car, I keep food and water um, under the the spare tire spot. So um, I'll I'll check them for an ear tip, and I'll provide some food and water, which 
Um, it gets really hot here in the summer, so always want to make sure they have plenty of fresh water. If they are tame, then possibly we'll take them to see if they have a microchip of some kind. If they are feral and they don't have an ear tip, then I'll make a note to come back and trap them um, after I feed them and get them comfortable with, you know, eating in the same place at the same time every day. But for the most part, the, the stray cats I find are, are feral. I've yet to really find a friendly cat on the side of the road so far. That's funny because in New England, I would say about 60% of the cats that are out are friendly. Hmm. So there's a lot of conversation about how to deal with the friendlies because the theory that we have is that we've done so much trap new to return in the 90s and early 2000s that we're now getting a lot, the, the newly abandoned cats, you know, they're mm-hmm. not the ferals that have been generation to generation to generation. We now have, these are the cats that have been recently abandoned. And so, but yet, how do we really know that versus it being an indoor outdoor cat? So, you know, there's a due diligence that you have to go through there in order to really prove that that cat's not, not an owned cat. Right. And one of my favorite things to do if they don't have a collar is to make a little paper collar with my information on it. it says, hey, is this, is this your cat? Give me a call. That way, when they do go home, if they are an indoor outdoor cat, that person can let you know and you can help suggest that their animal, you know, wears a collar and you know that they're fixed, et cetera, or help them find the services they need if they need them. Can you talk to me a little bit about, you mentioned earlier in the show about how you do a lot of trapping within a you know, large feral cat area. And then you also mentioned about feral dogs. So what's happening with feral dogs? Feral dogs, at least from my perspective, what I can see is that because so many dogs are chained up outside and are not fixed, and then you have the male free roaming dogs who may um, have gotten out of the backyard or off their chain because of their uh, sex drive, they're trying to find a mate. We do have a lot of chained outdoor females who have puppies. And then, you know, those puppies are just kind of left out in the yard, which is likely not fenced. The mom dog is chained up, but people just kind of let the puppies do their thing. And those puppies eventually wander off and become feral. And I see that in my neighborhood as well as other neighborhoods. So that that's a big problem. And, and like I said, it's really new to me, something I've only seen so far in Mississippi. So I've had some success taming down some feral dogs. I have three of them myself. You know, once you get them in a yard or in a car mm-hmm. <laughs> and kind of let them calm down for a while, it seems to be easier than the cats. But um, I do also have a dog trap. So Mississippi Spay and Neuter, you know, has a dog trap. So we do accept feral dogs as well um, if needed. So anytime, you know, I'm talking to someone about a feral dog, I recommend, you know, we try and trap them and, and try and help them out in that way uh, because they are unfortunately very common and and it's it's so much more complicated than the feral cats because they really do need different care and they they really aren't as self-sufficient as as cats are in in that way do you so do you spay neuter and release the dogs no i if 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 they can be tamed down then i will foster the dog and try and find them a home some people do bring you know those feral dogs to the shelter now, there have been a couple that, yeah, are too feral and they're going to need to be released back into the neighborhood, but they'd get fed just like the feral cats. Mm-hmm. Um, my neighborhood in particular and a lot of neighborhoods in Jackson, because of white flight, are abandoned. So th- there are lots of like empty houses and things that dogs live in. So there are, quote unquote, safe places for dogs um, to seek shelter um, if they are feral and don't have a chance of being adopted, etc. So there are a couple that, yeah, I haven't been able to successfully tamed down. 
If uh, people are interested in finding out more about your organization or would like to ask you any specific questions, how could they find you? We do have a website. It's msspan.org. And that's sort of a shortened version of Mississippi Spay and Neuter. My email is shelby at msspan.org. Or you can find Mississippi Spay and Neuter on Facebook, um, Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. Facebook is usually our most active uh, social network. So you can see all of our updates there. And Shelby, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? I think that's it. I'm really uh, thankful for what you're doing. And I'm so excited that there is a podcast specifically for community cats and how to help. Shelby, thanks so much for being a guest on the show today. And I hope we'll have you on again in the future. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Community Cats podcast. If you could go to iTunes and review the show, we'd really appreciate it. When you do, take a screenshot of your review, go to communitycatspodcast.com forward slash review and enter your information and we'll send you a t-shirt. While you're there, don't forget to check out all the ways you can support the content you're passionate about. Thanks, everyone.